can't believe that you haven't seen it love it so much you really gotta stream it let me tell you every line right now i can quote the whole thing since i was 12. maybe your mom told you no she said she Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of Movies We Missed. I am your host, Brandon Greenhouse, alongside my lovely co-host, Jane Bianca Hammer. And uh, before we get into the episode this week, I did want to take a moment to just let everybody know we're here. Even when we're not here, we're, we're here. Mm. I, I don't mean that we're omnipresent, but I do mean that, like, I mean, our so the social movements that we initiated are. But also, you can find us at social media handles for Instagram and for Facebook at Movies We Missed. Uh, and um, yeah, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're always going to be there hanging out, waiting mm -hmm. on you to take a perusal mm -hmm. of the newest episode or one of the many that exist within our archives. That's right. We have mm -hmm. so many episodes. So if people feel like they're not always with us, they can always go back and listen to us. And I think that's the interesting thing about like, if you're starting right now, you have so much content arguably too much i hope it's not overwhelming for you guys you have a lot of content and mm -hmm. you can you know if you're feeling if you're in a comedy mood go listen to the ritz you know go listen oh. to something's gotta give you know ah so if good you're, if you're in a horror mood go listen to mm. go listen to uh one of the horror movies that we've that we've listened <laughs> to on the podcast if you're in a very deep contemplative mood, go listen to our Before Sunrise episode. That's a great, Ooh. thoughtful episode. If you're um, on a train in Europe right now listening to us, mm, then that may be like a fantasy you want to get into. Oh, I love that. I wish I was on a um, train in Europe right now, but I'm absolutely not. I know, right? Speaking of, we got to get back. That's a talk about a franchise we got to get back to, huh? It'll yeah. come. Hold on. Dave asked me to turn on my mic a little bit. Okay. Perfect. I feel so okay. So I have a new microphone stand. I know you're all gagging to hear about this, but I feel so professional because I can hold the mic right up to my face. And, and you the can sound really, you know, this may be better for all of Jane's fans out there, all the hammerheads that are listening. You can really, mm. you know, hunker down. You can hear do some my... light a a ASMR. Oh, I'd love to. What do you guys want me to want to hear me say? Should I read a children? Maybe I'll maybe I'll start a Patreon with my ASMR and read like children's books or erotica. I think erotica is better. Can you hear this? Um, what is that? That's too light. That was too light. It was just yeah, me wasn't... rubbing a. It was me rubbing a beanie. Um, that didn't <laughs> quite do the like trick. wiping your hands. No, like, no, what we'll figure it out. Doing? We'll figure it all out for our ASMR heads out there. If you want more <clears> ASMR, <throat> then don't be afraid to reach out and let us I know, and we'd be happy to provide you with a little extra asmr content but don't worry you definitely definitely have to pay for that content but here's the thing we'll do whatever the fuck you want because we're pretty cheap Ugh, i don't like that oh you, you didn't give us, no you gave us like nothing you were just sorry like, did you think cheap. you were expensive Ugh. speaking of expensive <laughs> you know we have a movie this week um that's all about you know the cost of love and mm. uh Mm -hmm. Some maybe even be mm -hmm. pondering, like, does love have does love have a cost in this world? I also wanted to point out 
the fact that this week we're getting ready in, in next week we're going into our valentine's episodes but i would argue that this movie falls right in line with like valentine's oh my God. so we're if we're kind of feeling like, you know like you want to if you're feeling like you want to celebrate love which i arguably think you should do anytime you feel it um you know this is certainly the movie to watch within actually, within the laws anytime you feel it and oh, consent is always I, the sexiest thing well, I, Brandon, I'm so sorry, but I kind of feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, listeners. Oh, you're wrong. That, okay. I said listeners, not you. I'm, I'm a listener right now. <laughs> but isn't it sort of always that's sort of the, the, we hope that when we say to celebrate love, we mean within the confines of the law and consent. I, that's I, At least that's what I'm going to put on the record right now. That is always what I mean. When I don't I like love areas. is love and when I celebrate love. That's And that's the extent of Jane's advocacy, by the way. Her uttering the phrase love is love. She's not a <laughs> more than that. Hey, so. me living authentically is who I am. <laughs> that's Jane watching it's, the protests a... and the marches with a cup of tea in her hand and an Please. oversized cardigan from the window of her... Um, apartment and then putting a fist up in the air in solidarity and just <laughs> how dare like, you i've been it. to i've been to many protests in my lifetime but you also been known to yell to protesters like fight the fight that i started <laughs> take are you trying to are you tr are you trying to insinuate that i'm old and i've been at the sort of the earlier protests and so now i'm taking a step back for the younger generation look i'm just gonna say jane was at stonewall okay <laughs> Um, okay, so he's you threw it. the first brick, right? <laughs> no, I will not take that away from I, I'm our black trans sister. I will okay. not, but I threw the second brick. You were the, <laughs> you told people that you were the one who whispered in her ear, though, and you were like, "Hey, sis, <laughs> throw the grab brick. That, <laughs> grab that piece, of, <laughs> grab that brick down on the ground. Grab that one with acne on the side of it." Um, <laughs> no, I am not. It. I am. I am not old enough to have been a stonewall but obviously you know eternally grateful or whatever um <laughs> well speaking and of you know queer issues those, those don't come up this this week in this movie i'll tell you that, not a lot um, of that. maybe a couple gay jokes that's all we get <laughs> always and we're not talking about me and jane either um <laughs> Um, Jane, you gave us a hot one. You gave us 1999's mm. 10 Things I Hate About You, almost 25 years old. That's oh, really what this podcast has become for me, a way to just sort of inventory my life through mm. these movies and mm -hmm. contextualize it and how old I was. It's fun sometimes when you're like, when we get into the 70s and it's like, I wasn't even born yet. But most of the time, I was a whole ass person. Yeah, with thoughts and feelings, and really taking this in and realizing how fucking old I am. But I, one of the interesting things that came up with this movie was the fact that I, you know, we have friends outside of each other, and um, you know, sometimes they ask like, "Hey, what's the movie you guys are watching this week?" And you know, for the podcast, and I told a couple people, oh, we're doing 10 Things I Hate About You. And the I, <laughs> I answer that question all the time. People always ask us, what are we doing? Our friends of ours. But this is one of the most shocked, like, responses I've gotten to the fact that you haven't seen this movie. And oh, we've really? done some really big movies that people are like, 
oh yeah, yeah yeah oh oh wow that's crazy i can't believe brandon hasn't seen that i can't believe you haven't seen that but people could not wrap their head around the fact that you missed this movie okay <gasps> so i have seen parts of this film okay that is okay i have seen parts of this film and i've seen parts of the terminator that doesn't mean i've seen the movie but like i have never seen this movie in its entirety mm -hmm. um i know that this is where part of kind of where our, our squinty queen Julia Stiles got mm. um, got her big break. Um, it was her big break, absolutely. It was. I she think maybe she was did like, something before this, but I don't really. She was a child actor, I think. So she showed up in a lot of stuff, but this was her big like Julia Stiles teen queen. I think she was seventeen when they filmed this movie. Was she I, okay. okay? I think so. Yeah. yeah. So there were a lot of like seventeen, eighteen year olds in this cast. Yeah, yeah, and I read that like. I read some, I think um, it was David Krumholtz who wrote like a thing in, on the 20, in 2019 for the 20 year anniversary for some publication that is totally escaping me now. But his reflection was that they were all, they all became so close so fast while filming this movie. And that's just such a nice thing. I feel like you can feel it, you know? That and then like 27 year old Gabrielle Union just hanging out with. <laughs> with all these like eight 17 18 year olds which is like i can't believe how long gabrielle union i, I can because i've i see her physically but she, i can't believe how long she played a high school student because she's literally she's never aged she still looks the fucking same honestly she's yeah she's she played a lot of like high school students when they when they were when these movies opted to have a black character in them it, exactly um, for diversity exactly. purposes then mm. gabby often got the call you mm -hmm. know her and stacy dash who mm -hmm. obviously doesn't get mentioned on this podcast because we fucked up politics but like she was she was you know she was forever young she played mm -hmm. she played d i think she got her arp card the same year that she <laughs> did she play dion and clueless so i mean we uh that blacks don't crack a lot of the times you know yeah but, yeah and i mean it's very evident with gabrielle union i mean i mean i don't know if you guys she's still part of the consciousness and just popping up oh everywhere. god yeah she's still very relevant yeah she's a huge star and she's just as young and like beautiful looking as she was 24 you, years ago do you think that like when you're a celebrity what do you think happens when you get like the call to do like like a dancing with the stars do you think that people like that's got to be like i feel like any of those rea reality shows that you get called for and it's like the fact that they knew that they could call me and they did it with such ease like <laughs> wait did gabby do dancing with the stars no no, no god no no okay i was gonna I say, say that's god, no i shouldn't say god no no rock on y'all but um <laughs> i just mean like that's like i feel sometimes i watch those shows and i'm like huh I feel like I feel like I would be like, who else is gonna be there? And I think I already know the answer. And if it's <laughs> if it's Bonaduce, then like, <sighs> yeah, I mean, I gotta look at or, my calendar. Or a Jenner, you're like, I'm good. <laughs> Are you like good if you're if it's a Jenner? Because that actually like, I feel like that means that like, <clears throat> I guess you're they're where I, the culture is. I guess so, because I guess they're. I don't know. I, it depends I, I, on, you know what I'm realizing? It depends on what kind of celebrity you are. If you're like a mm -hmm. social media personality, it actually may be like a sign that you are like really at the peak of your career. If you are right. an actor who has been known for like television or film, 
then it then may be like it's not great it's not a great feeling i imagine it may be but it, but it also you may have like an ian zeering moment and then end up doing like parlay that into like sharknado but here's the thing if you're first of all it's ian ian zeering so show a little respect um second of all <clears throat> if you're ian zeering i think you know where you are within the public consciousness by the time dancing with the stars comes out like he wasn't it it wasn't nine or two and no, you know Beverly Hills now two and like it that was like they were so popular in the eighties, and then Dancing the Stars 90s. came out with was it in the nineties? Yeah, I guess it was in the nineties. I watched the shit out of it. I, I mean, was it according about. to you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But what I'm saying is like, if I and Zirin got the call in like 2010 to do Dancing with the Stars, that would be a get for him because it's not like he's like you know, making any other rounds, I guess. Yeah, like your schedule's open. I mean, but if yeah. You're Gabby, if you... But if you're Gabby Union and you get the call in 2010 to Dancing with the Stars, you think, whoa, what? Not yet, right? Yeah, <laughs> like not yet. Like <laughs> you just hold him on, keep him on ice for a little bit longer. Like, <laughs> well, it's just I like got, until... I got a little bit more gas in the tank. Until she has, if she comes across like a lull in her career, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't see that happening. But, She'd marry But well, she so. hasn't. Like, so she hasn't needed to. But, yeah, I think there's also certain times where it's like Dancing with the Stars reaches out to people. They get a little big for their britches and their managers and even I'm bring it I'm really curious about like, who no. the people are who, like, decline, you know? Yeah. And I'm not talking about the people who decline because of the scheduling conflicts. But I'm really <laughs> curious about the people that get the call and it's like, oh, no. Or you get the call for, like, oh, hey, God, we wanted you and your spouse to be on marriage boot camp. <laughs> And it's like, first of all, you have to be like, okay, are things not going well with me and my spouse that we need to go on marriage? I mean, part of me thinks that, but then part of me also thinks that it's like, whatever, you can play whatever game you need to for that check, I guess. That's true. Don't tell me that because I love marriage boot camp and I have a lot of like opinions about it. I've honestly never seen it before, but I just know that it's an interesting (laughs) tier of celebrity. (laughs) I I actually haven't watched it since the beginning of like the first couple seasons when it was like... I feel like Kendra and her husband, who I don't think she's with anymore. And like, I think um, Audrey, is it Aubrey or Audrey O'Day? I always mess Aubrey. it up. Aubrey O'Day. As you, come, as you came for me about Ian Zaring earlier, <laughs> show some respect, okay? <laughs> but she went on with like one of her boyfriends and like, it was so messy. I loved it, but I haven't watched it in a long time. It's, um... It's always like an interesting thing. But in thinking about the early aughts, mm. obviously that's where we are. We're thinking about some of the big stars from the 90s. That we leads sure us right are. into this movie. And rumor on the street, rumor on the street, not word on the street, rumor mm-hmm. on the street, was mm-hmm. that you had written a little something, something you wanted to share with us. About I did. Movie. I do. Okay. And I have, I just wrote like a little quick, like write up about the movie, like what goes down, Love that. what to expect. Really quick, like a haiku? Yeah. It's a five, seven, five thing. But Ooh, then it, okay. but then it goes on for a really long time. So it's definitely the opposite of a haiku, and not at all. So then no, then why do so, you say so yeah? then? So then not. <laughs> I'm trying really hard <laughs> to move away from my sort of yes man tendencies, Ooh, and that's um, a, that's a good film, right? Shout out Jim. <laughs> I never saw it, but this is for me a learning moment on how Absolutely. to be more honest about Oof, you know a word what what my what my capabilities are Preach. 
Um, maybe there will be some day when I'm able to write a synopsis as a haiku. Um, <clears throat> like but today's that not that day. Today's not that day. So I think what I'll do is I'll just launch in and then we'll, you know, do what we do. <laughs> I am very curious what, like, your haiku version of, like, this movie, like, synopsis would be. Just, I don't know what to do with that right now. But it is, it is. Curious. I'll tell you we'll what, it wouldn't, co- it wouldn't cover everything. But. I mean, wouldn't cover co- everything and simultaneously covers everything. It's one of those mm. things. What's everything? What's nothing? Mm-hmm. You know? What would Shakespeare write? You know? Probably not hey, a haiku. That's a person to be thinking about very much this week. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Tame another Jane. <clears throat> Tame another brand. Okay. <clears throat> Katarina and Bianca Stratford are sisters in Seattle at the turn of the millennium. And from the outside looking in, they couldn't have less in common. Kat, the older of the two, doesn't give a damn about her reputation. And that's a sigh of relief, as it's not exactly good. She's known for being defiant, difficult, and daring. She's a modern feminist who reads what she wants, is more interested in bikini kill than the bare naked ladies, and refuses to bend to whatever popular opinion might be about anything. And Bianca is just the opposite. She's sweet, popular, not exactly on track to win any academic awards, but that's okay. What she lacks in academic prowess, she makes up for with a full social life, full of friends, fun, and a healthy amount of flirting. There's just one thing missing. Bianca wants to date, but the Stratford patriarch is a famously strict OBGYN doctor, and he has a house rule for the girls. No dating till you graduate. Dr. Stratford is terrified at the idea of his daughters becoming teenage mothers. This is starting to become a problem for Bianca. After hemming and hawing to her father about how unfair the rule is, he decides to make an amendment. Bianca can date only when Kat does. How is Bianca ever going to convince her self-described tempestuous sister to start dating? Well, New transfer student Cameron James might just be the guy to make it happen. On his first day, Cameron falls head over heels for Bianca and confides in his new friend Michael all about it. Michael, who might as well be the head of the geek squad given how much pull he has at school, tells Cam to forget about it. He's got as much chance getting a date with Bianca Stratford as he does hitching a ride home from the third rock from the sun. (laughs) See what I did there? Anyways, that is until Cam and Michael hear about a certain popular, rich, sometimes underwear model, Joey Donner's bet with his buds to bed Bianca. And with that, their plan is hatched. Cameron and Michael decide to use Joey as their pawn. They know Joey has money, so they lightly suggest Joey use his funds to pay off someone to date the undateable cat which clears the path for Joey to date Bianca while still following her father's rules. While Joey funds the operation, Cameron will also quietly date Bianca and hopefully make her fall for him over Joey. So the scene is set and the plan is in motion, but who will they get to take on the project of taming the Katarina Stratford? How about the hunky, mysterious Australian guy with flowing curly locks and surrounding rumors of sheer badassery? Who can resist a guy who's eaten a live duck or done a year in the clink? 
Patrick Verona, who somehow, despite being gorgeous and having a sexy Australian accent, is on the fringe of popularity at their school and therefore is a perfect match for Kat. Although he takes some persuading, he eventually locks in and is on target for conquering Kat. So will Kat fall for the charming at Dangerous Patrick? Will Joey get to brag to his friends about bagging the famously unbaggable Bianca? Will Cameron get enough alone time with Bianca to convince her to fall for him over dummy Joey Donner? Will Kat ever find out she's being used by multiple men for multiple reasons? Will this conflict with her feminist ideals, making her furious enough that she resorts to poetry? The tale is literally as old as time when it comes to Shakespeare's masterpiece, 10 Things I Hate About You. Hey, baby, there was a lot to cover in this movie and you, you handled it beautifully. I, it's a little confusing. Also, I hope you understand that I know that this isn't written by Shakespeare. That was sort of the joke at the end. I know that this is not. No, I hoped. I wasn't okay. willing to find out that you didn't. So okay, I'm going to touch it. I just wanted to make sure. I know that Shakespeare did not rise from the dead and write the screenplay. It was actually two women named Karen McCullough and Kirsten Smith. So <laughs> yeah, who um, I think they both were co-writers in Legally Blonde, right? They were, and another one that wasn't quite as popular that is um, escaping me right now. But there yeah, were, I mean, proven. There were. Box they were co-writers hits. on um, Legally Blonde, The House Bunny. The House um, Bunny, that's what it was, yeah. And The Ugly Truth as well, I believe, which was with uh, Gerard Butler and the <gasps> icon, Catherine Heigl. Oh, yeah. Don't forget about her. <laughs> that's right. She's an icon. Okay. Right, Jane? She, she, had, a, she had her moment. <laughs> she okay. sure did. So, this movie... Um, there was a lot going on. It was like loosely so based much. on Shakespeare. I mean, they kept the most important parts, which were essentially the two daughters, mm-hmm. the father who is sort of lording over his daughters and won't let them date. And then the, the idea of the suitors and like, mm-hmm. not a lot of the names stay the same. Um, but Isn't but Katerina like, and Bianca? Those are the only names. Those are the names. The same, right? There are other names that are close. Like Petruchio, I think, becomes Patrick, if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, so there are other names. Also, they go to Padua High School, and the original is mm. said Padua. So like Padua, Padua. Let me pronounce it wrong. In the movie, so I don't know, but in the movie they call it Padua High School. Padua, yeah. So, so like they, yeah. So like there's a lot of elements that are still there at the core, but it's a very different, mm. obviously, story being told. And right, I feel like in lieu of like a city, they've sort of they're thinking about like maybe like the high school is like its own sort of like ecosystem in a way Mm. and like its own sort of like city which i mean kind of makes sense it is definitely its own kind of society with its own rules so like particularly when you're a teenager in high school that is your well it's also your whole world it's your whole world yeah that That is your city that's what dictates you you know they're the rumor mill and you know you know everybody and all that kind of stuff you and the rumor mill you love the you love that rumor mill (laughs) Um, i loved the rumor mill it was famously great for a lot of a lot of girls in high school absolutely i know i Mm. I really took advantage of it myself um Mm. i do know this movie was released on march 31st 1999 it had a budget Mm. of 13 million and it made about 60 million at the box office so uh, i'd say that's a hit as far as i'm concerned wow i feel like it would have made more i it probably did well on like dvd sales too yeah i mean it's one of i feel like it's one of those movies that's like lived on like Mm -hmm. well past its time 
you know, mm-hmm. like as a, which I feel like is, is its own kind of gift. Obviously, I feel like for actors, especially actors that have like back end deals and things, maybe it's not great, but mm-hmm. like it's got to be nice to have this movie that sort of lives on in the culture in that way, you know. Um, totally and this is a movie that is still like holds up and is respected so it's like people are like oh my god i love 10 things i hate about you i loved you and that like joseph gordon levitt has gone on to have like a totally like you know a illustrious great, career illustrious career with a bunch of other things but this is such an iconic movie that i think like a lot of people like associate him with I mean, absolutely. I mean, the late great Heath Ledger, Academy Award winning actor. I mean, like, I this mean, is the first time that I saw Heath Ledger, and I was, and I immediately fell in love with him. I, I mean, was this like, is Heath Ledger's first American film, so I yeah. mean, not that we wouldn't have seen him in a non-American film, but I feel like this this movie is sort of like one of those first moments. And I mean, given like what the subject matter that they're dealing with, I think that mm-hmm. he, him, and I'd say also Julia Stiles. I mean, they handle it you know really well like i mean they give it like a sort of gravitas you know and absolutely um, yeah and julia styles also went on to have quite quite a career uh after this this was a big this was her big star turn and Mm -hmm. you know less than five years later we were gonna be uh watching her dance her ass off in in hopes (laughs) of you know saving Saving the last dance. Saving the last dance. Giving us everything. Giving us pure hip hop at Juilliard. And we will never. It's like, I would love. You know, Brandon and I both have very much seen that movie. But it's like one of the funniest fucking movies to rewatch. And I would do anything to figure out a way we could do it on this podcast to like. Oh, we could totally follow. redo it. I literally haven't seen that movie since I was in high school. Um, I rewatched it like I think in my 20s like my late 20s like and I just remember I think I like live tweeted my thoughts on it and it was so fun because it was just like this is such a fucking ridiculous movie and we all just like took it for what it was and like really thought Julia was like doing something dance wise like she's giving so fucking little in that whole movie but fun fact Julia in this movie gets drunk at a party and dances on a table to hypnotize a biggie song and that is what got her saved the last dance which is really funny because i didn't know that but i literally this we were watching this movie and i said to dave i guess jokingly i said i guess this is how she got saved the last dance um with no understanding (laughs) of the fact that that was the truth um because first of all it's such a small they were probably they were so pressed to find a white girl with rhythm apparently that they were just like for real but it also well, is probably but when a bunch I, of like... But when, this, but when this came out, I was like, oh my God, that girl can move. Like, I totally, I was like, I was so on board. And it was just because, like, it was the only, I think, white girl I'd ever seen, like, give anything. Like, you didn't really, like, in a lot of teen movies, it was like, I feel like there's just no, like, rhythm. There's not a lot of dancing. And also, I feel like as like a society too like what we consider good dancing has just been like elevated and elevated and elevated over the last few years well, it's least. also just with explosion with okay. exposure and like social media and all right. these things mm-hmm. i vaguely remember her dancing i remember thinking like i saw this movie at the theaters i saw say the mm-hmm. dance at the theaters i remember thinking like huh that's what this has all been leading to like 
it's like two hours later and like that was like the big moment because all we've been waiting <laughs> on is for her to show us what she had and so it was just like she just oh it, that was enough it's it's like it was being teased the whole movie for save the lost dance and you get her big audition at juilliard and it's like it's just her writhing around on a chair giving us <laughs> fucking nothing but 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 this episode is not about that movie even though i want it to be <laughs> no this episode is about what started the whole the whole thing and it just took a little the bit of whole, alcohol the, s- mm-hmm. the, the the movie starts this movie has a lot of quote-unquote adults people that are playing like adult characters in it <laughs> that are like big actors and it's like really funny to see like alice and Janney like sort of like playing this tiny guidance counselor role in this I know. film, knowing that like she is like the you know the the person that she's gone on to to be the actress that she's gone the on to be moment. of such note, but mm-hmm. it's just like seeing Allison Janney as like the kooky guidance counselor. I also love in movies how useless guidance counselors are. Like so many of these teen 100%. movies, they don't know what to do with them, and like they're just here for like comedic effect. And it's like their <laughs> ineptitude is really like what we take in more than anything is like their <laughs> inability to actually be of any sort of like meaningful assistance to these children. And it's like, Alison Janney is fully typing up her romance novel that I'm, I'm, she probably thinks is going to get her out of the hood. That's probably her hope. <laughs> and um, she's <laughs> out winning. of the hood of what? Like the like very like rich white upper class, like you Padua know, high it's, school. It's, it's, it's got its own kind. It's its own kind mm. of, you know, gangland, I'm sure. Um, but the line that she's typing up, which I wrote down in her romance novel, is as he slid up her creamy white thighs, she could feel his mm. bratwurst pulsating with desire. <laughs> and uh, I just was like, "It's so good." Worth who? Who like, exactly? Who? Um, More like Danielle Steele. Who? I mean, that's what we're talking about. I just. I this uh, the, her character was is I mean it's Allison Janney so she's always going to be funny when she's playing a funny character and I just love the random like the randomness of her being like an erotic novelist and like not giving a shit about any of these students and I think like that's like such a running theme throughout this movie is that like there are no like adults around like the father is supposed to be this really strict father but then like everyone's kind of just allowed to run amok so I don't know I also thought about this is a complete non sequitur and I apologize but I was in class earlier Mm -hmm. and one of we had a guest speaker come in Mm-hmm. And she was talking about one of like uh, she was citing we're talking about something specific in a book, and she cited another like scholar and his work, and mm-hmm. she just said, "Oh yeah," she said, "So and so and so and so does an okay job dealing with that," and I just thought like, <laughs> and I laughed audibly because it's like it's not a compliment, but it's also not an <laughs> insult. It's just right. like this other scholar tried to tackle that and. It was serviceable. <laughs> it's just and like it. It happened, and it's there, and you can read it if you want. <laughs> well, it was also because other people that she was talking about, she'd be like, "You need to read this work. Like, this is important to understanding." You know, mm. and it was just like this person. It's sort of like, if you got a couple <laughs> hours to kill, you can peruse through. They there's they do the best they can within their ability and their skill set to to mm. engage with this topic. So. <laughs> But it also was like, I'm not going to look up this person because you didn't, like, sell it to me. 
100%. This feels like a trap. I know, but then I also am always like, what's that relationship, though? I want to know more about this story. I know. They must know each other in person. But it was also just like, yes, girl, give him nothing. Give him absolutely fucking nothing. Just just say his name and then tell us nothing about him other than he's apparently apparently creating work that is like... Like he's a C student. He's a C student. And so she just she said what she said. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, I hope you got to write the book review. Um so and so does an okay job. This is a you really need to take a look at this fine book. Uh so yeah. So very much that. Sorry, you were right. That that was a that was a tangent. But I there were a lot of moments in this movie where they like sprinkle in like a little bit of Shakespeare. Um, to just sort of like mm-hmm. remind you and they have like the Patrick and Michael character do it a lot just so that they can it's funny because it comes out of nowhere and they don't really work to weave it into the script and it's not built into like the way that they talk to each other and I feel like if they had like created maybe like more of a through line for them like in their Shakespearean engagement then it would be maybe more useful I feel like they could have done that because they're supposed to be quote unquote nerds of the school. So I think there's a way that we could have made it function in a different capacity. It feels like the writers oh, were just periodically you Ca- opening. You mean Cameron and Michael. My apologies. I meant Cameron and Michael. No, that's okay. And I feel like the writers are routinely, I don't know, Jane, words are just gone. <laughs> like I say anything, I am so fearful that I am just becoming one of those like wild old people that just like says stuff and people are like, no, that's why did you just call why did you just call that Miata a cookie? And it's like there's no justification. I Well, I think it starts it's it starts with names. It starts with names for you. And I think anybody who's listened to this podcast for a long time can um vouch for the fact that you just call anybody whatever you feel like, which actually feels like energy that's been coming off of you for a long time. It doesn't feel new. Um I don't know if anything or about that. I guess you just mean all engines are as much ago as they've ever been. And you know what I'm Exactly. Saying? I don't think I don't think we have to worry about anything, but I, I do, do agree so that there are like some of those random like Shakespearean moments where you're like, "What high school students don't talk like this?" Like when um when Cameron first sees Bianca, he says, "I burn, I pine, I perish," and I was like, "You." fucking nerd like you're not saying this to like a guy you met today who's like taking you around school i mean maybe you are but like yeah. it was just he's talking to like... he's talking to patrick no no, no he's talking he's to in the Michael, lunch line who is the... he's talking isn't to isn't that the moment i he's talking There's to michael i don't There's think a... you know who michael is i don't think i do you know who... david crumlitz is michael yeah. There's a moment where they're in the line. They're in the line at the lunch. Yes. They're in the lunch line in the cafeteria. And he says it, but he said but then he says it to He says Patrick. something he says something different. I can't remember oh, what okay. it is, but he okay. says something really nerdy and Patrick says, "Don't say shit like that to me. People can hear you." And then oh, Michael um... says a similar thing and then he says then Cameron says to me, "Don't say sh- to him, don't say shit like that to me. People can hear you." So he's okay. like, <laughs> they're learning from Patrick, who is the Heath Ledger character and the cool guy, you know, to not say these nerdy Shakespearean things. It comes up. Yeah, it's like it's a couple of times in the movie 
where they throw out one or two of these lines and they just sort of like task these two because I feel like it's like, oh, this is, we don't have to do as much explaining if it's these two clowns. So totally. they just and sort of nerds. task them with sprinkling it in so that, you know, we've got our little whatever we need it to have in to like make well, sense of it. And then there's also Cat's BFF who do- who doesn't really have like a huge role in this, but she is um, plays Maureen in Center Stage, which is a movie we. That's also what I know her from. Cover. Susan May Pratt, the actress yes. who plays the character of Mandela. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she is um, she's from Center Stage. Um, so That's why I this- recognized her. Center I couldn't stage. figure out what I knew her from, but it's from another movie you forced me to watch. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she did her thing in the in the two thousands. You know what I mean? In the late nineties, two thousands, she was in there. She her mark. She did. Um, if you want to listen to Center Stage episode, it's a great one too. So <laughs> don't sleep. Um, get, get to perusing. You know, there's plenty to listen to. But she, like, her storyline is that she, like, is delusionally, like, in love with Shakespeare. And she says, like, <laughs> she's involved with him romantically. And it's like, okay. Uh, okay. Sure. We're going to start shoehorning like, you know in not, that right? way. Like, I need I, you to acknowledge the fact that you're not. <laughs> I need you to tell me right now. I need you to look me in the eyes and tell me that you're not. <laughs> But again, and, like she's sort of like a side character. She doesn't have a huge part, so it's like kind of like the thing that they can like you know give her. Also, I thought it was interesting that apparently Julia Stiles and Larissa Olynyk they play Cat and Bianca the sisters, and apparently initially they each had auditioned for the other part. Yeah, I did read that, and I'm wondering like, I guess they're only three months apart. So yeah. age-wise, it would work. But there's something about, and maybe it's just the characters and the way, um, you know, they play the characters, but Julia Stiles definitely definitely feels much older than her. She in, does. In and I think it has something to some do with, way. like, the ways that, like, the characters were, like, played. But I also think that, like, there's, like, this, youth, I mean, there's, like, a youthfulness to to them. And it's, like, literally, it's not it's not height because they're literally 5'7 and 5'8". But there's something about the energy that, like, it just it work. It's just two actors doing their job. Apparently, they sold the story they needed to sell. Damn it! I know, and and I think there's also the the, I think with a cat character because she is, a someone who really resonated with me when I was you know this came out when I think I was a freshman year a freshman in high school, and I was just discovering my own feminism and like realizing that like you know there's so much like injustice in the world when it came to like my spot and being a woman and all that kind of stuff and to see to see like a mainstream team movie where like the main character is like a totally unapologetic feminist and like was listening to some of the like same riot girl bands i was listening to like bikini kill and like you know just having that like be like a main character in a really like popular movie blew my fucking mind and so immediately i was like fully drawn to her well yeah for sure i mean they also like i feel like her in that role and then i feel like they do a really good job of setting up this sort of these polar opposites and like the sisters what they what is really funny to me though is like it's like they're like 
they I don't know they're like the same level of attractive and I feel like the whole movie is like built on like Bianca like being this like uh, they're both just like attractive girls I don't know it's just like they keep being like ugh your sister and then it's like she pulls her well, out, of, I think out it's of the ponytail about... and it's like game changer I don't I think it's less about the fact that she's unattractive because they do then give you the backstory that like she used to be popular. I think it's more about her attitude and like how she how she speaks to people. I didn't get the sense that like people felt like she was the unattractive sister. I think well, it, it was like that she makes herself unattractive to because she doesn't you know, wear sundresses and she doesn't, you know, she speaks her mind in class and she, when someone says something sexist, she, you know, holds them accountable for it. It's her outspokenness that really right. is like the thing that they're and sort of getting at. But it's also like one can intimate though, because it's like every scene that Bianca's in, everybody's like, oh my God, she's so hot. How do I get her? How do I get her? Right. And then like Kat <laughs> comes in and she looks like, and everybody's like vomiting. It's just like, I mean, I it's also like the fact that she's like, that she speaks up and she doesn't smile all the time. And it's like, and she doesn't wear colors. And it's like, mm -hmm. that's like enough to like tell the story, I suppose. I mean, this is pretty, this is pretty part of the course for like 90s teen comedies too, though. Um, where it's like a girl <laughs> literally has a pair of glasses and a ponytail. And like, then they let her, they, she takes her hair down. She takes off like the she takes off the military jacket that was her dad's that she wears. <laughs> and it's like where Jessica Rabbit come from? Whoa, 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 this sexy woman. It's yeah, I mean, I, I do I do get that sense, but also at the same time, like, I, as a person who was, like, a high school girl at this time, I did feel like it was so little that made you fall out of favor, you know what I mean? With, mm -hmm. you know, if you didn't wear exactly the right thing and i think at least my understanding is like there's more leeway now but if you weren't wearing the right things if you didn't buy the right you know abercrombie and fitch jacket or you know like that kind of stuff if you if you rebelled against that even in the smallest way people didn't understand you and so like in some ways I get what you're saying because I do think that is lazy and like the thing that you're specifically referencing is she's all that which I like like we're she they specifically made sure that that character was talked about as being really ugly and unattractive which was a wild choice I think it's a little more subtle with this movie so I want to give it a little bit more like leeway in the sense where like I, they never said she was ugly. They just didn't like who she was and how she presented herself. I feel like, I'm not saying that they said she was ugly. I just felt like that mm -hmm. was something that they were like, sort of like hinting at. Like, mm. why would you want to be around her? Why would you want to be with her? And I agree with you to a certain degree, but like, you know, I don't know. I feel like it's something there as a, as a spectator, I felt sort of in between like the lines yeah. that were being spoken. But totally. you know. So I, I, but I thought that that was really interesting when we saw um, the Bianca character, Dave did say Alex Mack, which made me laugh. Um, I said this every time I see her, I say Alex Mack because it's just so hard for me to disassociate her from that role. It's also funny too, because I kind of like, I won't say I forgot about her because I didn't forget. I mean, I didn't forget she existed, but it's weird to like, this is like, this is the age I remember her at. So it's so interesting to look her up and see, obviously she's a whole ass adult. It's like, oh yeah. I know. It's crazy. Is she, like, in a lot of stuff now? I, like, didn't look her up. 
I don't think she's I in like a lot of stuff, but I mean, I think she still kind of works here and there, maybe. She's in and out, baby. And you know, hey, Good gotta live her. your life. Um, exactly. but yeah, there were a lot of the people like these. A lot of these characters, these people were really young, like which is really mm -hmm. interesting to look into and to see. So many of them were seventeen and eighteen years old, legit. It's like, oh my god, like Heath Ledger was like nineteen, twenty. Uh, yeah. Julia Stiles and Larissa were both like seventeen, eighteen years old. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, same thing. So it's like there's a lot of like younger people. And um, it's just like really interesting. And I mean, I guess maybe that's sort of like is one of the things that helped to give it that authenticity. A lot of times you will look up the cast of these movies and like you discover that everybody is like a whole ass adults. So it is 30. interesting to yeah. see that they they got so many actual like teenagers to play um, to play these parts. And yeah, it's I a think really that's rare to like the whole thing about Hollywood is like everybody in high school is you know any, anybody playing high school age is like 25 and older you know what i mean, I mean also so i feel like a lot of case. high school movies deal with sexual stuff too this movie doesn't mm -hmm. really and i think it they talk about it but not really but i feel like that's probably a little bit like a part of it sometimes with some of the movies mm -hmm. when you get into like the varsity blues territory and it's like people walking around naked covered in like whipped cream it's like yeah you want to make like, sure that you're whoa what Done your cheese and you're crossing your eyes with casting. <laughs> I mean, people that I went to high school were definitely having sex. And, like, I think about it now, and I'm sure we've talked about this on the podcast, too. But it's just, like, I cannot believe how young some people were that were having sex. Like, it's just crazy to me. Like, and even Kat in this story, she talks about how at the end, like, she's, like, trying to warn Bianca against Joey. She's like, look. I actually dated Joey back in the day when we were in ninth grade and we had sex. And in ninth grade, you're like 14. Yeah. Like, that's so fucking young. <laughs> yeah, I I was, yeah, I, I think I heard about stuff here and there and I was always shocked and appalled. My gay ass was not doing well, that. Well, my, my friends were getting it a lot more than I was. So I was just living through their fantasy, you know. I think that, like, I don't think I ever at that age, I mean, I wasn't doing it, but I was also trying to, you know, keep the lid on whatever's going on with me. But I do, <laughs> I do feel like I remember people doing it and I don't remember thinking it was particularly, like, crazy. I just knew that yeah. I wouldn't be doing it. But I, you know, for a myriad of reasons. So, like, I, I, I knew it was happening and I was aware of it. And when friends talked about it, I didn't think, like, oh my god i can't believe that they did it but no, i knew like in my not. mind like oh i could never but like i knew that my friends are pretty evenly divided i'd say some of mm -hmm. them were and a lot of them weren't though yeah um so i think that kind of probably like having those friends who weren't probably also made me feel better about not mm -hmm. um but it was pretty it was pretty mixed and i don't but i don't remember us like any of my friends who didn't do it ever really like vilifying or anything i think sometimes my no. friends would we didn't really, and you know, I was in theater, and so like, theater kids were sort of all over the place. Oh my like, god, theater kids are theater kids are infamously, you know, horny. I mean, I th I'd say the band kids were probably from the stories I heard about some of the band trips, what was going on in those buses. <laughs> I'd say they were probably the ones that were really, really popping it. But like, I think that like the theater kids would do. I'm I'm sure some people I went to high school with listen to this right now, and they're like, we were all you were the only one who wasn't Brandon. Um, but I don't think I, I probably honestly I probably was blissfully ignorant to what was going on. I probably was yeah. one of the few that just like wasn't. Wasn't but getting like I but I don't remember clutching my pearls. But it's also probably because watching movies like this, it's like we're basically adults. 
Um, like well, that's the thing. It's like I feel like when I was watching these these kinds of teen movies as a kid, it like I felt like, oh wait, why am I not like constantly dating and like making out with people and like you know having like these interesting romantic relationships? It was like me like pining after someone who didn't even know I existed, you know, and like watching my friends kind of go through that. Although like some of them you know again it was the similar thing where it was like a handful of people weren't really doing that and a handful of people really were none of it felt totally wild or inconsistent at the time but like i do feel like i mean certainly (laughs) i remember the theater kids were horny horny ass bunch and like i they i remember us like learning and they were like all so fucking nerdy too and they would like i heard about this term called couching where like i don't i can't even remember i like want to like use my phone a friend right now and call one of my friends from high school to remember like what the definition was but like people like they would like lay on couches together and like hook up but they called it couching and like you could like get na- I guess you would like get naked on a couch together. I don't really remember, but I remember people being like, "Oh yeah, the theater could spend all weekend couching." And I was like, "What the fuck?" That's so funny. I've never heard that term before. Maybe like something about it feels like maybe it feels more non-committal than like than like not like you know than, like just calling room. it sex or whatever. Yeah, because obviously there's terms like bedding. So I mean, maybe it's like right. maybe it feels what is less different. Like lower, like lower stakes. And I think if I remember correctly, like it was like how many people could fit on a couch. It was like sort of like orgies. Oh, it, oh. If I remember, okay. if I'm remembering correctly, <laughs> but I don't know. I just remember being like, that is very advanced for what I feel like is happening. And I think the the fact that it was sort of a group activity made it sound advanced. Yeah, no, for sure. That's that's been way over, way over over my my skill level um, at that point. Um, also, in this movie, there's like it's. I feel like there are always these schools that come up in these high school films. Like it's Sarah Lawrence in this one, and it's like oh yeah, and it's like of course, of course, our girl wants to go to Sarah Lawrence, and her and her dad is weirdly like it's always funny when it's something like she wants to do something positive like she wants to like go to like school and like educate herself and it's like her dad's like no and it's just like okay like well he wants her to go to his school he wants her to go to university of washington like close to the home and doesn't want her to go to sarah lawrence and become a lesbian <laughs> that's right because we're in seattle again you guys i don't know if anybody's noticed we've been in seattle a lot recently we have been spending so much fucking time in seattle <laughs> The Pacific Northwest has us in a chokehold over here. They certainly do. And honestly, those views cannot be matched, to be honest. It's so beautiful out there. It's really funny, too, because it's like, I don't know, was there this 90s pivot where, like, all of a sudden people are like, let's get out of New York, let's get out of L.A. There are other great places. What about Seattle? So What about Portland? So I wrote about this in the beginning of my notes where I was like, I was like, ah, oh, that's right. This is Seattle and Seattle in the nineties and still today, but in the nineties really, I feel like came to came forward as like one of the cool cities that was we a music previously really discussing, Grunge, but it had obviously. grunge, 
obviously the tech boom, which was big in Seattle and like, you know, the Pacific Northwest and, you know, which is not far from Silicon Valley and those places. And, and I feel like um, Microsoft was in Seattle maybe or the surrounding area. So it was like, it was kind of booming. People were making money there. People were making music there. People were being creative there. Um, you know, I feel like Seattle and Portland and like, you know, Olympia, Washington always had very like artistic scenes and we kind of like zeroed in on that in the 90s, which is why there are a lot of films there now or films in the 90s and particularly the ones we've been covering recently, apparently. Well, it makes me wonder, like, was there like some sort of like push, like from like literary agents and stuff? They're like the studios they want, they want out of L.A. They've had enough of it. They want something new. They want something. They want something fresh. I wonder if it was characters. just less expensive to film in the area. Yeah. No, I think you may be right. I think it's probably <laughs> like that was a part of it. So like, it's okay. Just, the like, look you gave me made me feel like you were so mad that that was what I was saying. Oh, I wasn't looking at you. I was looking at the comment that Dave just made. Um, oh. But... <laughs> I just saw it. I'll read it to the... Uh, he said, belch quieter, Brandon. All right, and I got you. Don't worry. Payback's mm-hmm. coming the next time you get a comment. Um, but yeah, so... So yeah, we're in Seattle, for sure. But it always I always forget mm-hmm. in these movies, and I always think we're in, like, L.A. And I always, like, forget that we're not in California. Even mm-hmm. after they, like, they, they try and bring it home that you're not. But, like, yeah, they were trying something different, I think, in the 90s. And I think probably there were so many movies in, like, the 70s and the 80s that were in New York and, and, and L.A. that, I mean... It makes sense that they switch it up a little bit, um, and yeah, you still get the beautiful. You get the beautiful views. You get a, you get the coast. Well, you and get, the houses too. I mean, you the, get the gorgeous ha- the homes, vi- the gorgeous Victorian homes, which they. I I looked this up. They filmed none of this movie was a set. It was all filmed on location, and the house, the exterior and interior, they filmed in the same house, and it's this freaking gorgeous house, and I. I'm sure it's millions of dollars now, but maybe back in the nineties, it would have been like, okay. I mean, obviously her, their father is a doctor, so he does pretty well anyways, but it's just this gorgeous, huge home that like a single family parent could afford, which is oh, absolutely. I mean, mind boggling today. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, when that single parent is a doctor, then that right. helps. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, this movie also, one thing that I noted about this movie was like, they're like, they're not, these people are not nice to each other. Like, everybody's no. so mean to each other, in the, especially in like the beginning of the film. It's like, there are like all of these moments, and I guess it's probably true to life, but it's like, there are all these moments where like, everybody's so like, rude and like dismissive mm-hmm. of, of each other. There's also just a lot of like, messy language. There's a moment in the movie where they're talking about like, teen pregnancy and the daughter's they're oh. getting pregnant, and the daughter says, and the, I think the daughter says, "Well, I'm not a crackhead, so that's not going to happen." Or something she goes, to- he goes, I, I remember. Okay, so for context, I like know the script of this movie because I literally owned this on VHS, and I would watch it almost every single night for like maybe a calendar year. I loved this movie so much, mm-hmm. but there is a point where the father is talking about how he delivered a set of twins to a 15 year old mother and 
he's talking to Kat and Bianca and he says, do you know what she said to me? And um, Bianca goes, I'm a crack whore who should have made my stupid boyfriend wear a condom or something like that. And it's like, when she said that, Tara and I both go, we're like, whoa, like the judgment is absolutely flying out of her mouth and her father's mouth without any sort of just like thought process about like, <laughs> you know what, there are certain circumstances, you know, teen that causes teen pregnancy that you know deserve kindness well all of them deserve kindness all of them but, deserve kindness but i get what you're saying it's exactly. just like but it was also like that that sort of <laughs> rhetoric is like throughout the movie and yes. there's also like this moment where like there's a just oh, the r word is just thrown around the hard r it's yeah. just like whoa coming off a hand that rocks a cradle you know i'm just like <laughs> what in rebecca hey, we... is going on here I know. It's like we were really comfortable with that word in the nineties and yeah, the two thousands. Uh, yeah, apparently, because we're right on the cusp of that that jump over into <laughs> the two thousands. We're all we're all going to be quaking with fear pretty soon as the as the ball drop happens on uh, December thirty first, nineteen ninety nine. <laughs> wondering if that's the mm. end of the world. Which I need to look into that again because that was why two K. That was quite a moment for all you youngins out there when we all thought everything was going to go wrong and. Uh, Oh my god! I remember, remember there were like dooms, doomsday stores, and all that kind of craziness. There was a lot going on. A lot of people who had prepared for it. I remember like watching a news story, and it was these these like man and woman in some like I feel like it was like a rural town in California that had mm -hmm. like bought all these bunkers that they had set up at their home, and they were like they'd spent like so much of their money on it, and they were like we're gonna have these ready when people show up. And like you know, they're, this is going to be a business that we're going to run, like letting people. And I was just like, "You clowns, you <laughs> absolute clowns who squandered your life savings on these bunkers <laughs> on that the have shit. no purpose." And I mean, they were did over there. Did you have any like? Did you have any feelings before the turn of the century where you were like, maybe something will happen, or were you like, this is insane? I didn't, I was a child, first of all. I was very young, okay. but I don't, rem, I remember, like, not f ever fully grasping why everybody thought it was going to be, like, the end of the world at that point. Mm -hmm. I also remember thinking, we are fucked if this actually does happen, because my mom did not prepare properly. She had a couple <laughs> of, she had a couple of loose cans of Campbell's soup and two jugs <laughs> of water that Probably she put. Probably from 1994. In a flashlight. <laughs> And she was like, this is all our stuff right here on the shelf. And I was like, I can't miss it. <laughs> I see it. I see it, girl. It's not enough. But way to go pointing it out. But, you know, I love our just-in-case cabinet. Thank you. That was like my mom. <laughs> That'll get us my, through one meal. <laughs> I feel like my mom was like, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I remember her, like, in the kitchen with her headscarf on and her muumuu getting ready to go to bed. And she was just like, I'll see you on the other side, kid. And, like, she was banking on it not. Clearly, it was a... It was a risk that paid off on her part, but I do remember looking over at that jug of water and thinking, like, oh, God, if, if we I'm need fight my anything, own mother for this. If we need anything, heaven help us, because Mama did not overextend herself in preparation for the end of the world, and we are going to be splitting cans of SpaghettiOs for a couple of days, and then what? I don't know. Um, it didn't make sense to me. Deciding which one would be more delicious to eat. 
It no, literally didn't no, make sense to me, like, why totally people nonsense. thought it was going to be the end of the world. I remember, like, everybody was like, but, like, all of the, the calendars have only been set when these computers, like, the computers, and, like, it's like, it, it wasn't prepared. This, this, <laughs> it was this like zero... boomers being terrified of technology is what it was, and, like, not understanding that, like, thinking, like, as a society, we're too reliant on computers, so, like, the moment the clock strikes midnight, we are all gonna fucking implode. And I remember my parents were like, absolutely nothing is going to happen. You are going to be fine. Everybody's going to be fine. There's absolutely nothing to worry about. This is, you know, panic for panic's sake. And so I was never worried about it. I just thought it was kind of funny that people were so worried about it. I remember watching the ball drop like in New York. And I, well, that was the other thing is New York was before us. And so I remember watching. Oh, not the ball me. Drop. I was in Boston, but yeah. Oh yeah. Well, so you're real time. But I remember watching the ball drop in New York. Well, I and mean, thinking, technically, like Australia was, you know. I mean, you're a right. Day yeah. before. I, us, and I think know? that that was. I think that other countries. I, I do vaguely remember that. I think like people were really watching what was happening in other countries, and mm -hmm. so I think that like that was something they were reporting on. But it still was sort of like, but it could happen here. But that was just the news holding on to whatever the story was they had to try and keep people's attention. <laughs> But I remember when New York, the ball dropped and everybody was completely fine. And I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. we're good. Like, <laughs> so didn't quite do um, what people like thought that it was going to do. The other thing in this mm -hmm. movie that's really interesting to me is like mm -hmm. the sort of one thing they love doing is taking a parent away in these movies. Um, oh, and they we've love got, it in a Disney movie and in a teen movie. They love it. They love a parent being gone. In this movie, it's the mom. Um, and I love when they first start talking about the mom, it sounds like she's dead. Um, mm -hmm. Bianca wears a pearl necklace that belonged to their mother, and Kat is really An actual about... pearl necklace. Yeah, gutter gal. <laughs> it was a, I'm just like clarifying a, a, a for listeners who haven't seen the movie. A necklace pearls. made of pearls from the sea. Yes. Just so you guys know. I just want to make sure. I'm literally just trying to clarify it. Yeah, these weren't farmed. These were actually from the, the necklace, the pearls in this necklace. Were That's not old. the point I was trying to make, baby. But, you know, you were going after the provenance of the necklace. So I just wanted to sort of follow up. Um, but yeah, so it's a real necklace that their mother left behind. And they are like having a conversation about it. It sounds like she's dead. And then we later find out that she left. And then we spend a little bit more time with the dad and we sort of get it. Um, <laughs> like, but, okay. I mean, she made her choice. It wasn't great for the kids, but oh man. <laughs> it's also always that thing in these movies because a lot of times it's like, oh, they left me really young. But it's like based on mm -hmm. the storyline they presented, they were like 15 or 14 when she left. Like, she left three years before the movie. And, and so it's like, like okay, so like, Kat was literally in high school. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what's going on? Like, no contact? okay no, like um, zero and it's, it's like okay made that pro i don't we don't mean to laugh about <laughs> parents no we're laughing at the children. plot point we're not we're laughing at the plot just, point and character development is what we're laughing at exactly it just it it was like you could have just made her dead honestly i mean honestly it or done more with this because what's the purpose of right. this other than like the one time one of the girls throws the line at their dad that's like that's why mom left or something like that which is super cutting right. it's like oof uh but also he needs to hear it um <laughs> but it's just like one of those moments when like i it, at least now we have an answer for why the mom's gone and like everything's you know, gone awry in this um, mm -hmm. in this family. The other character that we uh, we hadn't mentioned yet, um, he mm -hmm. was a uh, he was a big big deal in the '90s though, and that's Andrew Keegan. 
<gasps> Joey Donner, Andrew Joey Keegan. Joey Donner. Mm-hmm. I thought he was so funny in this role when I was a kid. I was like, he plays dumb so well, you know? I was really enjoyed it. He was an actor who, he was a character Dave actually had to set me straight. Um, and I was talking about, the, I saw him and I thought, oh my God, it's Rookie of the Year. And Dave was like, no, that's not him. That's um, not Rookie of the Year. How dare you? <laughs> like, they couldn't play, like they couldn't play brothers and something. Co- they could, they could, they could. Um, um, he and Dave was, was like, no, he was, he was all, he was in a, yeah, he was all over Tiger Beat. Like he was like a heart throb in the 90s. Let's look back curly hair. He yeah. was like, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was, my whole thing about him was that like, he he for me gives the same like mario lopez moment where it's like you're too beautiful for me to even like be attracted to you you know what i mean like it's like you're an oil painting and like do you know what i mean yeah okay yeah yeah i guess i mean i don't know i thought he was like i thought he was like cute i didn't i it's like uh, i think i'm not i mean he's just so like unattainable to me is does that make sense like we talked about this with Mario Lopez as well when we did holiday in handcuff for it's like you're too you're almost like too good looking to like you know I don't know the smarminess of him like really for me like just like yeah I didn't have the relationship with this movie that you did so I'm just watching it as like an old man Mm -hmm. and like I just thought he came across to me as just like this sort of like sleazeball and I think that superseded like any other like well, to- I mean, yeah, about him. totally. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I feel like he definitely played that role a lot. And that was Thomas and Nicholas, by the way. Thank you, our producer, for chiming in, um, who played the role of, I literally, that was the blackest shit. Because we loved just calling somebody <laughs> by like the name of the fucking movie they were in. Like, that's Rookie of the Year. That's Color Purple. It's like, what the I keep I keep seeing this meme. I'm sh- I think you have sent it to me um, on instagram and <laughs> it's just like i love it's like i love how black people can just insult you by like picking one thing out about you and calling you that and it's nini going like okay glasses <laughs> and like it's just it's just a woman wearing glasses but the way she said it is just like you know she's just like absolutely fucking destroying this woman so, it's also, it's so well, I know, black people love doing that black people also love like describing people by like something that like you wouldn't want people to use to describe you by like black <laughs> people love describing you by something negative about you or like seen as the world is negative about you they love it like black people love there's nothing wrong with it obviously everybody's great but black people love being like 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 you know you know hobbles hobbles so and so it's like don't use that as like a thing to describe somebody like it is a thing and <laughs> is it, that a person who limps when they walk yes it's like okay it's that it's like also it's, but it's like any it's like anything like anything and like black people grab onto it and that is literally the way that you will be defined forever and it's not always even meant to be like an insult but it will always be the way that like you are defined by it's that thing. It's almost and a lot of in some ways an... endearing, it sounds like. You'll get a nickname because of something that you did one time when you were like three. And it's like this <laughs> defining moment in your life. I have a cousin who would kill me, but she doesn't listen to this podcast. But her nickname, I'm going to say her real name, but her nickname is Squat. 
because like when she was a little girl once she like squatted and peed in a corner i think and so everybody calls her squat which is short for it's short for squat a lot but everybody calls her that and that's like that's what people call her and it's like you don't even think about like where these names come from but it's like in my family they will grab on to anything and that is your nickname and like my mom always tells a story of my dad like when i was younger uh, and mm-hmm. he was around and disappeared um she tells a story of how like in my family i was like this really like chubby little baby and one day somebody called me i think they called me kuda kuda bear i don't know where it came mm. from but someone's just like oh kuda bear and then everybody started calling me kuda bear and then I've my dad heard like people i've heard you be referred to that before yeah you know it still yeah. like lives on i have like 15 nicknames in my family but that is definitely like one of them kuda bear and like <laughs> kuda bear isn't a thing and I, I, I don't know what it is. It's, it's made up, it's just, right? It's just letters and words and sounds that come together to make it. <laughs> and my dad said to my mom when they were, like, leaving, like, my relative's home, he was like, tell your family to stop calling him Kuda Bear. He's going to be stuck with that damn name forever. And um, there's another adult in my family who has a really crazy nickname, and he referenced that person. And he was like, that's why they call him that still to this day. I don't want my son being called Kuda Bear anymore. Um, and then he, you... he, he exited stage left right after that. So my family <laughs> so he didn't really persisted to, to continue stay. calling me whatever the hell they wanted to, but it's just like funny. It's like, cause you look around one day and you're like, how did we come up with that? How did we come up well, with that? And nobody, can knows. I ask you a question? You've buried the lead here. You said there was a family member who had a nickname that he did not want you to end up like with that nickname. I can't share it. Okay. You don't know him. Can you... you don't know him. I, that's fine. I just want to know what the nickname is. Can you tell me and we can cut it? You just cut it out of the episode. No, it's it's my grandmother has uh my grandmother has uh, my grandmother's sister, my aunt Puddin, her son. His nickname is Tiger Boo, and everybody calls him Tiger Boo, and that's his nickname. And my dad hated it, and he was like a grown ass <laughs> man sitting around the room, and everybody calling him fucking Tiger Boo. His name is Richard. <laughs> everybody still calls him Tiger Boo, and at that point, Tiger would have been like twenty five. And oh Mike, and he was just like, I don't want, I want my kid being called Kuda Bear's whole damn life. Um, <laughs> and it's like, that's them's the breaks in this family. As I just told you, that story just now started with me literally referring to my aunt Puddin, whose name is Elvie. Nobody calls her Elvie. <laughs> my grandmother's name is Weedy. Everybody calls her Weedy. They call her Weedy because when she was young, she was tall and skinny and her legs looked like weeds. And now 80 years old, people still call her Weedy. Like, oh my god, that's and in my so it's funny. a southern it's a southern black thing, and I I, mm-hmm. I don't know it's just like your name is just your name is merely a suggestion that is just like <laughs> we we are not going to be calling you that the first time you do anything different is your nickname <laughs> you have no control over that. it so like it is pretty funny that's but cute. like yeah I don't know how we got in this I'm sorry but no names that's are great. names are so funny and like it is just it is it's just such a it's such a funny thing uh the community naming process that happens after a child leaves the hospital and it's like okay we don't care what's on that uh but also the joey character that andrew keegan plays yes he's just like he's a sleazeball and like he's really like oh he's a total fucking sleaze he's the he's i mean there aren't that many likable people in this movie there really aren't there's he's he's definitely one of the most unlikable people they have like for sure there's hand there's also like daryl mitchell who plays mr morgan who's like one of the black teacher that they just have in the movie for this one scene where he raps a shakespeare sonnet oh my god and it's so cringe it's so it's painful just like, and all the kids are like whoa that's cool what you just did and it's like <laughs> no know. it's not 
No, it's not because it's been done millions of times before, and we don't need this. Although like, I do, just... I do like the moments that he has where he challenges Cat, where she's like, "Why are we reading Hemingway? Why can't we read, you know, Sylvia Plath or whatever?" And he's like, "Why can't the school buy buy a book written by a black man or whatever?" And it's like, okay, I appreciate that he says that in this fully white school, you know. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, he's a funny character, although it's, the the teachers in this school can't be bothered. Like, no, they the, also, all like, the are just using authority... profanity, which I don't remember happening a lot when I was in high school. <laughs> no, I don't think that was happening in my high school either. <laughs> but these teachers will just be like, I don't give a shit. Like, they'll yeah. just say that, literally. We, we have um, David Leisure, who plays one of the teachers, the cookie teacher who gets flashed by Kat in the, in the classroom that during the detention sequence. That is the most wild thing she's trying to break patrick um heath ledger's character patrick out of detention and in order to do that she flashes the teacher and i just remember thinking at the time i was like when i came i was like oh haha that's so funny and watching this adult i'm like whoa that is wild and like should get her sent to like the guidance counselor although when your guidance counselor is alice and janney writing a ro- uh, romance novel i don't think she's it's just, just fodder take- for her book yeah. yeah exactly but dave did say like dave was like this would have to be reported and i was like absolutely yeah. because it, happened in front of, it happened in front of 15 students who were in detention exactly there's also there's also this moment where this kid is just sitting like sweaty and like he walks up to him and he's like, "What's going on with you? Why are you being so weird?" He's like, "I'm not being weird." He's like, "What's going on? What you got on you?" And the kid just like instantly folds and pulls like a bag of weed out of his pocket. And I was like, yeah. "No, not that wouldn't watch. be me. That no. wouldn't be like, me." I would say, anything. "I would say, look, <laughs> despite what you may think, I do not have any drugs on me." And yeah, I would... and while you're yeah, I was like, I don't think they can like force you to to do that, but. Who knows? No, These, everybody's doing what they want at this school. I mean, if if Julia Stiles is flashing <laughs> teachers and then like giggling and running off, then it's like, sure, okay. It's just like it's just a it's just a weird scene. Also, knowing that Julia Stiles is like straddling, like, you know, what as, as Stevie Nicks would say, the edge of seventeen. It is... Yeah, exactly. I thought about that when I read the fact that she was seventeen when they filmed this, and she has that flashing scene, and I was like whoa you were like just like a white winged dub baby um <laughs> but it it's too much and it's and it's also like funny for it to be that character it's just mm-hmm. like sure so there's also like when they're trying when all of the wheels are in motion to try and like figure out like when they're trying to basically they're trying to figure out how to to bust out to, mm-hmm. to, to not to bust out, but to like get to create a situation where Bianca is able to sort of go to dances and go to prom, whatever. And there's a moment where Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, Cameron, is talking with Bianca and he's trying to find out information about her sister. And like, mm-hmm. like the conclusions that they're jumping to are just like wild, wild. which I guess is right in line for like two sophomores in high school. But like, he wonders if like her sister is a lesbian and then she says no she's not i found a photo of jared leto in like her dresser drawer and also she has black panties 
and like no woman wears black it's it's it's, it's like it's nothing is what it is it's literally nothing. absolutely nothing absolutely nothing and also let me tell you I, just because you have a photo of jared leto in your bed or in your whatever doesn't mean anything about your sexuality or like i mean let me tell you as a person who after this movie i became obsessed with heath heath ledger like i was like oh my god he was like my biggest celebrity crush cuts me married to a woman so you know and you also to be honest jane also has classy eight by tens of jared leto in one of her drawers of her home it's oh. granted they are production stills from house of gucci but of course. My is that <laughs> it... anybody can hold on to any piece of media without anybody questioning anything as long as everyone's you know of the appropriate age and dressed what fully. about those photos that you have of katie lang in a zoot suit though those, uh... <laughs> those <laughs> to steal a line from this movie are for the spank pick <laughs> for some reason i thought you were going to be like those are for mama um. <laughs> no, because I'm not Queen Latifah in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Queen didn't get the call for this movie. Um, I'm sure they would have thrown her in as like I don't know, like a sassy history teacher or something. Um, but yeah, so we have this whole like we have this whole sequence where they're trying to basically like figure out the sexuality of um of Cat. And it's just like, it's based on nothing. And then we have like, as they're, they're, they're feeding information to Patrick's character. And then they basically like tell him that he should go to this like alternative club where like cool, <laughs> club edgy, skunk, club skunk, because kids can go to clubs in movies. I don't remember this being an option when I was, when I was in high school. I don't remember there being clubs you could go to. Okay. Oh, I take so that back. I'm going to there actually was a club and I remember hearing some really filthy stories about stuff. It was a club in a different, in a different city near us. And I, it was a, it was a teen club. And I remember one of my cousins who lived in this area telling me about some stuff going on there one time. And I was a horrified. It was no alcohol. Well, it was just like teens, like being left to their own devices. Cavorting. Totally. So, I mean, I will say I, we had, what we would call like music clubs or venues and stuff like that that we would go to and you would go as like you know you just didn't get a wristband to drink or whatever so we you could go see bands play in high school you know at like smaller venues that and like we would do that sometimes and you could um didn't necessarily have to be an 18 plus show or a 21 plus show people would just get like wristbands and you could drink if you wanted to but what this is giving is like patrick verona is like walking around town <laughs> like able to get into anything and drink beer at like dive bars and like walk into what what we're calling club skunk and he's like having like a whiskey on the rocks, like at the bar. And I'm like, how, what? Like, how, how does that happen? And I'm so casually doing that. 
it's like it's really it's really silly but it does its job because it gets mm-hmm. it gets cat interested in him because he's sort of like giving her the fantasy of him being a person who's interested in like anything that's happening at this club and any of this music and when she approaches well, things him, that even, she's interested oh in, for sure you know? when he approaches her she like when he when she approaches him he sort of gives her the cold shoulder initially because he's like i'm here to listen to the music i'm not here to yeah to cavort with you okay and, uh... So I do want to say this band, so they play a couple of times throughout the movie. I don't know if you noticed, but oh, it is it is Letters to Cleo. Um, <laughs> and I was just didn't know if you clocked that because we also um, did Josie and the Pussycats on this um, podcast. And Kay Hanley, the lead singer of Letters to Cleo, was the voice for Josie and the Pussycat. So oh. bring it all together. Yeah. I did yeah. not know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Full full circ circ mm-hmm. moment for us. Absolutely. Were you a big Letters to Cleo fan, Jenny? I love Letters to Cleo. I absolutely love it. I actually think if I'm I, I I feel like I learn this and forget this a lot, but I think they're a Boston band. So they were pretty popular. Um because I lived in Boston. Yeah, they're yeah. from Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah so I maybe. feel like the, I just had was like more clued into them because like regionally they were popular. But loved them. And I love Kay Hanley's voice. I still do. And the songs that she, the covers that she does for this movie are good. She has like an eternally like youthful sort of like sound. Like it's very like, mm-hmm. it's very piercing. Um, but yeah, no, no, they they're great. They did they did a really a really fine job. And they helped to like set the tone for the movie. And sometimes it sort of it seemed to sort of transition, especially like the prom into like this sort of almost like ska style. Um Well, oh my god, I'm trying to remember who the other band is in this movie. It's um they're a real band too. And God, what was hold on, sorry, give me a second to find it. You raise me up. Ah, okay. I found the band. You interrupted me when I was singing that. I was singing Josh Groban. Um. Did you want to hear the rest of what I was singing? What was on that line? Okay, okay. Please give me. You raise me up so I can stand on mountains. You raise me up to walk on stormy seas. And when I'm down, you place me on your shoulders. You raise me up to more than I can be. That wasn't great. I have to do it again. It's you know. No, um, oh, no, I thought you were gonna launch right into. It. No, no, no. I need time. I need time. Just a little no, soul searching. That was. Uh, frankly, you know, I hate to give it to you. That was beautiful, and my only my only regret about that is that I hate that song, and so it's I wish such it was a pretty a, song though. I, I wish it was a different. And those lyrics, I, it's just like I love, oof. I love, I love hearing what you give me every time. I love your voice. I love, even though you didn't feel like that was your best. I mean, <laughs> nobody's doing. You're it not a gro- you. You're not a grub and goober though. You're not one of. 
I'm not a Groban Goober. No, I I really got very annoyed by that song. I don't think that I can enjoy it anymore. They changed it. It was originally Um, a Groban Groper. And then for obvious reasons, they were like, let's give give (laughs) them a new name. Let's let's not call our fans the Gropers. (laughs) Oh, all the Gropers are here? Let's have some fun. Um, I was really touched by the Gropers. And... Okay, I'm done. Um, what was the name of the band, Jane? Okay, that band that is playing at the prom is called Save Ferris. And they were more of like a ska band at the time. And I remember like was when I was watching this, I was like, oh my god, we had such a ska moment that I entirely forgot about. We, like, I remember late, one time late 90s, early 2000s. in the parking lot with one of my friends from high school outside of the Denny's. <laughs> He like came and he like opened. We like people used to just like park cars. Maybe they still do this. Like park cars. He was like two years older than me, and I thought he was cool. And he parked his car and he opened like the doors to his car and was blasting music. And he was just showing me how to skank in the parking lot, oh and not God. like you showed me how to skank. And it was just it was an <laughs> I, actual I, dance. I I did something different. Yeah. Yeah, that you did, so... and I I'm hoping one day that. You know, whenever they change statutes, whenever that stuff changes, I'm going to come in for you, you gal. Um, but yeah, we did some light skanking in the parking lot and it was, it wasn't the real, but I, but it, it I, I had a moment with it but and I was like, yourself. oh, it was I'm sure if I was at a real skank, it. if I was at a ska show, I'm sure it's a lot more violent and intense and it would have been too rich for my blood. Um, mm-hmm. cause I know they sometimes like, they create like these like skank pits where everybody's just like going to town and it's like, I couldn't do that. That's, that's. Do you mean like a mosh pit or. Kind of, it but it, like I don't a... think it is technically considered a mosh pit. Maybe it is. I don't know. Okay. A lot of this stuff was happening in high school and I was just on the periphery of it. Like, ugh, too much <laughs> I was definitely um, on the periphery of, of any ska, um, concert or movement. I mean, I, I did, you know, like I got like, you know, I, there were a couple songs I liked, but it was never really my thing, you know. I was not no, super for sure. into it. And but, also, um, also, I was gonna say the, the so before we get to prom, we one of the big the, sort of the big moment in this movie is the house party, which I was so confused when yes. this house party scene starts. There is a gentleman who's sort of the host who's like handing out things uh-huh. to people. I thought it was like mm-hmm. a meeting that was sanctioned by the school because I thought that was somebody's dad. He was older than thing. every other character. <laughs> this is the thing about Bogey Lowenstein, who is supposed to be a nerdy kid who attends their high school, and they have a party. They crash his house and have a party because for some reason they know his parents are going to be away. And he looks to me, and has always looked to me, about 45 years old. So it is very confusing. I missed the I, I missed understand. the moment right before that, and I was like, "Oh, whose dad is this?" And then when all the kids started running, and it was like, "Why isn't he like controlling the situation as like an adult?" <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh, he's supposed to be a high schooler, sure." And I got on the ride, and there were plenty of those extras that you wanted to just just keep your eyes, don't open them too much, because you were like somebody's parents <laughs> came with them. Um, but the party is out of control. We have a group mm-hmm. of kids who are chewing tobacco and spitting it into like a crystal oh. like a crystal bowl that it's clearly disgusting. belongs to bugsy's parents and so that's all happening. again and then, another situation where you just call anybody what you want to call them it's bogey like the golf bad. term mm-hmm. of course bogey mm-hmm. we have bogey mm-hmm. booger bogey um boogie 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 woogie boogie um mm-hmm. bogey's parents um but they're yeah they're just spitting in their crystal um it's it's a whole thing 
and uh, the party's getting crazy. And then we we have Bianca and we have Kat showing up to the party because this was essentially the way that Bianca could be here was if Kat came. And then Kat, I guess, feels like a loner, so she decides to just get drunk. And she climbs on the table. She has this full messy dance sequence that everybody's loving, apparently, because they've never seen a white girl with any, like, kind of semblance of rhythm. So everybody's <laughs> enamored. And then she ends up having this sort of, like, sweet moment with the Patrick character. Um, and, like, she ends up puking, and then she tries to kiss him, and he backs away. And it sort of, like, and sets off... so offended. She's so offended. And, like, all, and apparently not... You dr- just... Like, fucking she, puked she also seems really so drunk want him that, to kiss you she also seems so drunk that i'm surprised she even remembers it but she is so upset and it's just like nobody wants to kiss anybody after they've been puking with like ugh, nobody's here for bile um oh awful but, i just like I, that's the thing it's like i can't like her reaction to that is so wild to me because she like gets mad at him and like ignores him for a little while and it's like girl you were the one who made an absolute mess of things and he took care of you and he didn't take advantage of you and like yeah which you shouldn't have to like thank him for that's common that's not what i'm saying no no that's not that's (laughs) that is not what i was getting at I, I know that's not what you're saying, but I just saw a world where it sounded like that, so I just am jumping on top of it. No, I no. Know I didn't mean it like I that, know. but I just meant, like, he, he was just, he was kind, and he was sweet to you, and I, I just mean, mm-hmm. like, he didn't have any, like, ulterior motives or anything, and then he was sort of, like, right. penal, penalized almost for not, like, because it was, like, I felt like, she, I felt like they had this really sweet, lovely moment together, and you sort of think this mm-hmm. is going to be, like, it felt like the writers didn't know, didn't know what to do. And so they just like kind of like blew up. But I this can also moment. see in a world. But I can also see a world where it's like, yeah, she's a high school girl who's fully embarrassed and kind of like a person who like lashes out at people. So like I could see a high school girl like getting mad and blaming him for that, even though it's like not his fault, you know. Okay, Jane loves a movie, so we can't criticize it. So... I didn't say that. I, I, hey, I didn't say that. I am literally just offering like another opinion. I agree with you. Like, I don't, I'm not saying this is a perfect it was movie just, or anything. Like it that, was just a but... weird moment, like from like a textual I standpoint. I just like I, I, my my only point is just that like I think about myself in high school and getting irrationally angry at people you know what i mean because mm-hmm. i didn't know how to control myself and i didn't know what was wrong and so you easily blame other people but yes as, from an adult perspective of course it's fucking wild it was just a weird moment and i think i thought that the movie was sort of beginning to wrap up at this point so i was just confused by what the new conflict was and then i thought i missed something and i went back and i was like oh Okay. Yeah, no, it is what I thought it was. So it was just kind of like a confusing (laughs) sequence in the movie is all I was getting at. And I didn't really understand how we got from here to here. And I I felt like I almost wished there was more because then it felt like he was sort of apologizing, but I didn't like through his actions. He was like, he was apologizing to try and sort of like ingratiate himself to her again. And I didn't really understand like why that couldn't be a conversation. And there also wasn't a moment where like, I think it's because this is a character who like purports to sort of like be like, woke with a capital w and then it's like Mm -hmm. it's 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 mistake after it's misstep after mistake and she's actually not called out ever on any of her missteps no she's not and it started to annoy me after a while because it's like you need to look in the mirror a little bit too though like 
you've you've had a role in a lot of the things that have happened here too and you like you just you're not like i don't know i just i feel like everybody spent so much of the movie having to come to her level and it was mm -hmm. sort of like but you don't have it all figured out either girl and like we never got a moment where she really had to like the closest we got was the moment with her sister which was another mm -hmm. weird moment um yeah there, there totally. were it was just there were a lot of these strange moments where conflict was presented and it was almost like they didn't know how to work their way out of it by actually talking through the thing so like then like randomly there's like reconciliations that are happening off screen and it's like oh okay these two characters are cool now yeah it, it's it, it there's definitely a lot of whiplash and there's no really explanation for like why like he he it, this is right after he does like in order to like quote apologize to her he does like the like song sequence can't take my eyes off of you yeah yeah and like that's like a dangerous funny... dangerous sequence it's a they are running on these they're running it's not even bleachers it's like they're like cement stairs really it's like he's running back yeah. and forth with these security because there's like police security i don't know and high, this high school has like security guards that are like tracking <laughs> i mean my high students. school had security guards too but oh they we were... didn't have security guards yeah we had security guards because well i mean i went to two different high schools and i went one of them was a bigger high school and we had security guards but it was like they didn't care enough to run after well our security guards student. weren't allowed to apprehend anybody i wouldn't imagine like yeah. put, put arms on put put their hands on people i, I oh just, i don't know yeah, I, I don't maybe know if they, they were. were we didn't. We had we had security guys in college. I remember, uh -huh. but they couldn't. They couldn't touch any of the students. Um, yeah, like they could tell you to do something, but you didn't have to do it. And like I remember, like that <laughs> being a thing. Like one time, they like my friend had like a joint or something, and they tried to like make him like empty his pockets, and he was like, no. And my You're other not a cop. Like, yeah, my other friend was, there, was like, you can't make him do that. And then they were like, uh. and it was like this epiphany for me because I grew up just being like rules, rules always. And then I saw these the two, rules. yeah, these two these two like older men that were like standing over this eighteen year old, and I was like, these optics are actually horrible for you two. You need to get out of here, um, which they did. <laughs> but it wasn't a good look. Uh, but yeah, so. So also the other character that Jane mentioned earlier in the movie is the character of uh, Mandela. And there's a moment where the Michael character played by Crummelt is like falling for her. And he asks her, he asks her if she, um, he, he, basically he asks her if, if she's into like William Shakespeare. She asks her if she's a fan of William Shakespeare. And she says, and she says, I know you're a fan of Shakespeare. He says, I know you're a fan of Shakespeare. And she says, more than a fan, we're involved. And I thought, that's that's a thing to say out loud. That is, to have the confidence to say that to another person in high school and just be like, yeah, this is I honestly know, say. I honestly know no kids who probably would have said something like that. So, like, <laughs> theater kids were like wild and it was just like anything to get a rise out of well, anybody, I feel like. That couching okay. bullshit that I mentioned earlier. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there's plenty of couches that saw saw a little bit more than they should have seen in my in my high school. That's for sure. We were really on. We were we were not being watched enough. Um, mm. All sorts of discoveries are happening. I think. Um, but yeah, we have like that moment. We also have the moment because like the Joey character is like paying off Patrick at several points in the movie, and he mm -hmm. gives him two hundred dollars, and he says this should take care of the flower, the limo, the tux, all of it. It's like. This is to, barely going to take, take care of the limo. To take cat to prom. To take cat to prom. Even in, even in 99, 
$200 would not have been enough to take care of a limo, barely. Like That seems low. I'll be it's honest. It's low. That seems low. Because I'm sure now it's probably in the thousands. So, like, back yeah, then, you better, you better believe that 200 wasn't going to do it. Not not in not in Seattle's booming booming real estate market. No. I mean, I don't know. I I, I didn't take I never I never took a limo to prom. We always just like carpooled and figured it out. Nobody was dropping cash on limos in my school. Oh, we did. And maybe we some did people were, big. but we weren't. We did it we big, but you know, we also had t-shirts with our dates names on them and we wore oh, those around right. school and we wore yeah. we got our dates mums to wear um we did a big texas stand up um it's wild to to look at any of this stuff now by the way just the price of, of prom and mums and it all it just it gets very expensive so 200 dollars isn't gonna cover it he does pull that that third hundred dollar bill out though pretty quickly um and i was like okay now <laughs> we're getting a, now we're getting a territory that sort of makes sense but like the prom mm-hmm. scene is like where everything sort of like falls apart in a way although actually things started to fall apart earlier because one of the things is the gabriel union character of chastity who's supposed to be like bianca's best friend but like (laughs) at the house party she literally leaves with joey after like bianca bianca has to go home she's a curfew even though she was allowed to go to this party it was because it was under the condition that cat be there as well so she has to go home by a certain time and then joey's going to some sort of other like party thing and after party after party and like mm-hmm. chastity like basically just is like i'll go with you when bianca says that she can't and it's like their friendship just goes out the window she's like it's it's it, it, it. i was like wow chastity okay like you literally turn instantly and like bianca is like starting to sour on joey a little bit because she thinks she's like starting to realize that he's kind of boring and self-involved but she hasn't said anything and like they haven't had a conversation about like hey girl if you're into him go for it because i'm not really feeling him anymore and she goes like okay like i gotta be home by midnight and chastity's like well i don't have to be home till two i'll go with you joey and he's like all right you're lost bianca and then she like puts her like arm around joey and like walks away with him and like basically is like fuck you bitch we were best friends but (laughs) a window opened up for me (laughs) it's like yeah it's a lot and um it's so quick and like unexpected and then not that chastity has been a fully formed character up to this point anyway so we don't really know anything about her um other than she's just this is the the only thing we know about her (laughs) which checks out also for a movie like this um absolutely but yeah the one black female (laughs) character is cannot be like counted on yeah Um, cannot be trusted and instantly turns on her friend very so yeah very yeah it was really nasty and then and then we get the prom and of course the prom and but also before the prom because one of the things that's sort of at the heart of this movie is the fact that like patrick is is basically being paid to get cat to the prom and obviously over the course of getting to know her he falls in love with her but there's this moment where he asks cat they're sitting on her front porch they've had this really fun day together and he says hey would you want to go to how do you feel about going to prom together and early in the movie she said she didn't want to go but he says hey how would you feel about going to prom and she says uh she says no no i'm not going to prom and then he says he says you sure you don't want to go and she goes what's this all about what what's your what are you up to and it's like <laughs> where did that come from he asked like once and then followed up with like a clarifying question and she was just like done she's like him. what's going I... on what's your angle 
And it's just like, <laughs> he asked you twice to prom. That's literally all that's occurred. He and wants to instantly... go to he likes you. He's you're technically dating. Like he's like your boyfriend now. He wants to go to this like ritual with you. Yeah. And you're like, What what's happening? What's happening? Like who's paying you to date me? And it's did like Joey oh, Don I... did Joey Donner pay you? It just it, it's a, it's a <laughs> leap that was unnecessary it's... because I feel like there's a way they could have made it like a they could have made him a little bit more pushy. And I think it would have helped to like round out this Absolutely. moment a little bit more instead of it coming out of nowhere, but instantly. It's like, why would you automatically think that it really does come out of the absolute fucking clear blue sky? It came out of <laughs> yeah, it came out of nowhere. And then there's a moment also in the movie where like Kat is talking to Bianca and she shares with her sister about how when as Jane mentioned earlier, she was in the ninth grade, she had sex with Joey, and then like basically like she didn't want to do it anymore, and then he broke up with her. Uh, I thought that storyline was actually going a little darker, but um, yeah. that's what happened. And then, and then Bianca's like upset with Kat after like sharing this really like revealing difficult thing with her, and she kicks her like out of the her room. The first time that she's like vulnerable with her sister, and because yeah, like... they haven't really spoken or connected in this movie, so this is really the first time. And then like it's Bianca like throws her out of her room, and she like makes it about her, which I guess is pretty part of the course you're dealing with emotional teenagers but like it was just really a lot right it's a lot it's definitely like again comes out of left field where you're like whoa why are you angry and she's mad the reason why she's mad at cat is because she feels like cat is standing in the way of her having her own experiences and finding out for herself and cat's like i'm just trying to look out for you and she's like well you don't get to do that with me blah 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 like i should be allowed to have my own experiences just as you were which like sure is an understandable thing but like such a quick regardless of any of that if your sister has had sexual intercourse with anybody and you're dating them it is your sister's responsibility to always say hey 100 just so you know we had sex regardless of just so you know that's my sloppy seconds right there like it it needs to be spoken because there's nothing wilder than your sister watching you be courted by a person that she slept with letting you have sex with a person and then pulling you aside and like you know we fucked too right it's like girl we've been dating we were we've been dating for months where was the headline <laughs> this should have been day one minute one that you found out i was dating joey you because sat across honestly, from us at dinner sis that is that is actually so uncomfortable and i don't think i ever thought about it before until you like brought that up it's like i would rather date some I can't even imagine the possibility of dating someone that my sister is the idea is horrifying to me and not because I think my sister has bad taste or anything like that it's just you don't want to share things like that with your sibling that's a line you do not want to cross yeah I know there are listeners right now that are probably like it's more complicated than that <laughs> and and we don't judge you. There's no judgment. We're just talking about how we feel. Yeah, that wouldn't be the moment for me and my um and my fictional <laughs> my, my fictional sister. Um, but yeah, so that's the tea. But ult- but honestly, ultimately, like, I mean, Bianca sort of ends up with Cameron, and Kat ends up falling in love with Patrick. And she ends up being able to go to Sarah Lawrence and uh, everything sort of works out exactly as they'd have it, it seems. It seems like. Well, 
<laughs> not before it's revealed that uh, at the prom that Patrick has been paid has been being paid to date her. <laughs> the huge, the huge, the huge plot twist that I stepped over. Um, yeah, we find it at the prom. Joey realizes he's not gonna get Bianca because he's like obsessed with. It's so weird because it's like, are you? I don't know. It doesn't. Joey, Joey's obsession he's with obsessed Bianca. Obsessed with betting her because she's like in the beginning he's like virgin alert like he really wants to de-virginize her even though i think he probably did that to her sister too like joey is a sick sick character yeah and so (laughs) and he wants to be able to say that he's bedded sisters probably as well but like it's weird and when you tell people one of them was 14 it's not like the flex that you think it is um (laughs) one was 14 the other one was 15 she's a sophomore high school dog i did it it's like gross (laughs) and you're 17 or 18 this isn't this story is a this is a confession for the cops is what this is this isn't a fun tale that you're regaling your friends with it's gross and weird um but yeah so she ends up like he well ultimately bianca ends up stepping up because joey ends up punching Cameron in the face and that's Bianca's date and Bianca ends up being the one who decks Joey in the face and that's all he really cares about is his beautiful face because he does all of his catalog modeling and everything. He says my favorite line in the movie when she punches him in the fucking nose and he goes, shit Bianca I'm shooting a nose spray ad tomorrow which to me is so fucking stupid. It's also, so, she fi- just... she finds out about the whole plan because she's in the bathroom, and now her and Chastity are literally enemies, apparently. And they're in the bathroom, yeah. and Chastity's just like, he just went to have sex with you because you were a virgin. And it's like, okay, were you okay. my friend? Like, what's happening? Everything and, fell apart so like, quickly why, with these two. Why do you wish the worst for me? Yeah, like, <laughs> I've you, never like, been anything... You be like, like shouldn't you be my friend like aren't why aren't you coming in defense of me why are you instead here with the person who tried to trick me into bed with them like this is is not a good look on you it is a mess and the energy is just like confusing and perplexing um (laughs) but during this whole thing is that joe so joey is mad this is actually partly bianca's fault because she doesn't really handle the fact that she's not she doesn't tell joey she's not going to the prom with them with him he shows up at her house to pick her up for prom and bianca has already left to go to prom with cameron so obviously joey's furious and he takes chastity as a consolation prize to the prom and but then also sh- like chastity's like he doesn't chastity say like he called me an hour ago or something yeah it's and like, it's like don't tell him that's not a flex like, <laughs> yeah. he, like this, he called me an like, hour ago uh, and if- i was at the ready <laughs> i just like, had to put a couple butterfly clips in my hair and i was good to go. <laughs> i was ready to go and it's like girl why don't you make it sound like you were if, if you're taking this evil turn make it sound like you were in on the plan from day one <laughs> and that you've got like you you've helped him like pull one over on her instead of being like look <laughs> i i I'm his consolation prize, okay? <laughs> I got Look, ready baby. in 20 minutes. <laughs> he wanted you. He was torn up when you didn't answer the phone. But guess who got the ring-a-ling right after? Me. <laughs> I was at home eating Tostitos with my parents, watching Must Love Dogs. But when that phone rang, <laughs> your girl threw on her Friday best, 
threw some barrettes in the hair, did a quick bump in on these ends, and I'm here. I was ready to go. Mm-hmm, it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, this isn't the flex you think it is, but oh well. <laughs> um, yeah, way to just like, like, declare to the entire bathroom that you like yeah. are Joey Donna's like sloppy seconds, but enjoy. Um, because at this point, yeah, they just hate each other, and it's like I wish we'd gotten more of an understanding of how this happened, but yeah, sure. it's a real weird plot twist, and it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't that then... she's like full on friend of me now. Yeah, it happens. Because they seem like genuine friends. It's right. And then, in the midst of all of this, Joey gets mad and confronts Patrick, and is like, "I didn't pay you to take Cat to the, you know, to date Cat so that her sister could go to the prom with Cameron." And Cat overhears, obviously, and is like, "What the fuck did he just say?" This was the nightmare of a prom situation. This is why she didn't want to come. Exactly. She knew, she knew it was going to be bad news. She somehow knew he was being she paid. Felt it. I guess maybe I don't have low enough self-esteem, but I would never consider that someone's being paid to take me out. But you know, I guess we'll we'll talk I, about we'll talk later, Jane. I'll share some stuff with you. You probably know about <laughs> wow, how you I don't and know your if I'm wife prepared met. to hear it. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh. Because I just told you. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> no else we can talk about. I sort of just wow. laid it out there. I guess. Um, you were going through a dry spell, you mm. know, and, uh, mm. I wanted you to have companionship and Tara oh. rode by me on her Harley and <laughs> I saw that leather vest and that mohawk. And I was like, we need to spice up her life a little bit. Shout out Gin- ginger spice. Only, only Jerry Hollywell, only mm. Jerry Hollywell. Um, but mm. yeah, spice up her life. And, uh, I paid her. To take you out on a a couple of dates i just needed you to okay. get your get your sea legs under you i oh, look at a certain point wow. i stopped paying her last year i stopped oh so through the marriage huh <laughs> i had Ow. to pay her a lot to propose to you um and i shouldn't have done that i get now how that probably wasn't the best decision but at the time of course but it sounds like you were in too deep so you know. hindsight's 2020. Mm. <laughs> Just a decade um, long, God. God, like, like, like what? Like the th- also just like there's no friendship. Like it's quite no- literally just the story of one of the longest betrayals of all time. Also, I'm not seeing a friggin' dollar of that money if she's getting paid. It's, like, it's all, it's all, it's all going towards like art. And uh, Tara also has a gambling problem that you don't know about. <laughs> she's always heading to the suburbs. When she says she's at work, quote unquote. Oh, okay. It's so those, she's it's them up. penny slots, man. It's them damn penny slots. Mm-hmm. We've all, we've all, they you. got us all in a chokehold. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, we'll I talk about it later. So. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe um, this isn't the place for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm still sort of, I guess, determining the terms of this situation. So we'll, mm. we'll discuss it later. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. I'm getting uncomfortable. So I want to talk about it later when I feel better. Um, oh yeah, okay, of course. See, and your and your comfort is my main priority with this. Thank situation. you so, so much for understanding, Queen. Just, just, just take um, your time. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. don't touch your head too much. You're gonna drop that crown. <laughs> your royalty, sis. Um. So yeah, but all but all's well that ends well. In, in the, hey Shakespeare. Well, um, we <laughs> they basically she gets mad, leaves the prom, and then he buys her a guitar, and everything's better. And that's all it takes. And, 
No, nice little and she's gift. allowed to go to Sarah Lawrence. Yeah, she uses. And... Yeah, he uses the money that Joey gave him to buy her guitar. Probably, it's probably Joey's, um, Joey's blood money. Yeah, Joey's blood money. Well, you know, hey, hey as long as it, ends up with it goes Fender. towards something good, yeah, she ends up with a the fancy new guitar and um, still still gets the guy. So she gets the guy. It's a cl- classic '90s rom com. All right. Um, Although Jane, yeah. yeah. Just before we wrap up the episode, it, mm-hmm. I know you probably do want to live your 1990s fantasy mm. of giving us the monologue from the movie. Do you want to give us your take oh, on the ten things God. I hate about you <laughs> monologue before we? I- I hadn't thought about it, but I will absolutely do a dramatic reading of that. Just read it from the tattoo on your arm. (laughs) Okay, let me find it. I'm sure it's in the IMDb quotes, I'm sure. I'm sure. I feel like you could search 10 things I hate about you speech, right? Which apparently one of the writers on the movie, she literally just drew from her own personal experience um, to create um for the title of the movie it was which i thought was really interesting um it was from her journal entry i guess which feels like i like that's a like that she went back to to the teen years and found lord knows i stumbled upon some of some of my musings from the some teen gold. years i really thought i was dropping it dropping bombs dropping like stuff for future generations to, to ponder and you go back and read it and that's just cringe <laughs> okay, like, I found are... it. You found it? Okay, I'm ready. Take okay, your time. I will wrap Take <clears throat> I will... your time. <clears throat> I am Katarina Stratford, and this is my poem. Ten things I hate about you. Does she even say... I don't think she ever calls the poem Ten I don't Things think I Hate so. About You or says the name of it at all. Okay. I hate the way you talk to me and the way you cut your hair i hate the way you drive my car i hate it when you stare i hate your big duck i hate your big dumb combat boots and the way you read my rhyme sorry i fucked it up i hate your big dumb <laughs> okay let me start over <clears throat> you gotta get deep into it jane i know i know, I know, I know. it's like i keep seeing your face hold on and it makes you laugh because <laughs> I know you're fucking laughing at me. Okay. <clears throat> I hate the way you talk to me and the way you cut your hair. I hate the way you drive your car. I hate it when you stare. I hate your big dumb combat boots and the way you read my mind. I hate you so much. It makes me sick. It even makes me rhyme. <laughs> I hate it. I hate the way you're always right. I hate it when you lie. I hate it when you make me laugh. Even worse when you make me cry. I hate it when you're not around. And the fact that you didn't call. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. And with that, we conclude our episode on William Shakespeare's 10 Things I Hate About You. (laughs) Brandon. 
I have a couple questions for you at the close of this episode. Throw, throw them my way, sis. Okay. Number one, would you watch this movie again? Yeah. Yeah. I'd throw it on. <laughs> Why <Okay>. you laugh? Because <laughs> um, it was non-committal. But I'm glad you would watch it again. Yeah. It's a fun movie. I, 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 it's so hard to um, remove my to- totally wrapped up nostalgia. No, it was like a, no, it was a cute like, film, and you know, yeah. The, what I've realized from this podcast is that I'm old, so <laughs> yeah, it'll be a nice little blast through time because now all this mm. is vintage, so mm-hmm. it's fun how vintage it is. Technically, yeah, doesn't make doesn't make me sad. <laughs> <laughs> um great and then do you have a movie for me to watch next week i do actually mm. and i had a pivot because <gasps> of this movie Ooh! i gave you to watch for next week 2003's deliver us from eva <gasps> oh oh i i have a vague memory of what that movie is but okay i don't remember it at all i when I'm you watch 90... it okay when you watch it this is mm-hmm. going to be our first official valentine's day pick although i think this is actually our first official valentine's day pick 10 things i hate about you because it got totally. us very much in the lovey-dovey movie and we as you all know we watch rom-coms constantly here so yeah you know you're exactly. probably all just like what what's different but right i gave you this <laughs> movie because mm-hmm. of i gave you deliver us from eva because of this film and two reasons and it'll, I think that once you watch it, you will be like, okay, I get it. So I'm excited for you to watch it. And then I'll, that'll be the first question that I ask you probably will be like, why do you think I gave you this movie? And I'm curious what your answer is. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's right. Gabrielle Union is in this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It. Okay. Well, that's one of them. So she's already found okay. that out. So <laughs> I just Googled it. I just I mean, wanted yeah. to see what, I mean, I didn't Google it. I just wanted to see like. No, I know what you mean. But yeah, yeah. yeah, so that is your, that's our first official Valentine's Day pick. Amazing. Well, I can't wait. Um, thank you, Brandon, for talking to me about 10 Things I Hate About You. Thank you, listeners, for listening, listeners, always. Thank you so much. Thank you for being we present, fucking listeners. love you, and we want to engage with you. So if you want to engage with us, you can um, do that during, in between episodes, and we encourage it. And one of those places you can find us is Instagram and another place you can find us is Facebook and it's at moves we miss in both places. So <laughs> you can't miss us. No pun intended. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> so anyways, we love you. We hope you have a great week. We can't wait to see you next week for deliver us from Eva. Bye. 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 Bye bye. Bye. I'll see you on the other side, kid.